message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. Can we just welcome everyone watching live right now? Oh, we could do better than that. All right, all right. Now listen, I, I, wanna, I just want to say, for those of you who are watching the live stream, you, you're seeing the stage side, but on the other side, we've got every single seat full, and, and like they said during the latest, the, the holiest of holies is the, is the stairs right now, because we have both sides completely full uh, in the stairs. But I just want to tell you, if there's anyone here who's thinking, I am not willing to deal with that madness next Sunday again, I've got good news. We are going to be back in the large auditorium for a long time. Praise God. So will you all promise me that you'll come back next Sunday so we can fill up the large auditorium? Can you guys do that? Okay, so I promise you're just going to have to deal with this for the next, I mean, I'll be done preaching in a good hour 45 and then we're done, okay? Everyone's laughing because it's a joke. But, um, but yeah, so thank you so much for being willing to sit in the stairs. And I mean, have you ever been to a church where there's like a line to come in and you can't find seats? I mean, do you think you would see this? Isn't this an incredible? And, and you know, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to preach to you today, but I'm going to try to teach. And if you are a note taker or you're not, you're all note takers today, Okay. So promise me that you'll lean in with me. And if you need to use your phone, whatever you've got to do, you've got to ingest this and get this inside of you. I believe that God, this is like the culmination of a three and a half year journey of lessons that God's taught me. And I felt like the Lord was like, you've got to impart this coming into 2018. And we are feeling the effects of it already from first service. So I can only imagine what God's going to do. So as you guys get your notes ready, your Bible ready, who's excited? Oh, come on. I love that. We're going to open up to Proverbs, the book of wisdom, chapter 10, verse 17. Now, for these scripture references, you can just simply write them down to read them at a later date. So chapter 10, verse 17. And as you guys find that in the Bible, there's no shame in the table of contents. All right. And uh, while you find that, I want to tell you a quick story. So, you know, my grandmother, her name was... Dorma and she was a ninja and I was like rambunctious like uh, you know how I was like a hundred percent unadulterated boy you know what I'm saying like Dennis the Menace status like I loved breaking stuff killing stuff you know anyone like that growing up like you were just a boy like hundred percent boy anyone well my cousin and I were just just really, really messing up and acting a fool. And my grandmother, who's a ninja, said, hey, guys, come here. I love you so much. Now, she was watching us alone. So she's this little, like, three and a half, five foot, you know, kind of like. And she was like, come here, guys. She kind of looked like E.T. with a wig on. Okay, I'll just be real. No, she was beautiful. She's beautiful. Um, but she was a little, she was just a little small. There was no way that she could have kept up with two boys, so she had to be a ninja. So she said, come here, boy. I just want to give you a hug. So she brought us in. And, you know, when you smell your grandma, it was like, oh, I love you so much. And what she was doing was maneuvering her hands to the back of both of our heads. And then all of a sudden, she took a step back and went, boom. <laughs> and cracked our skulls together. That is the very first time I've ever been knocked out in my life. I mean, I was seeing stars. And as I was preparing this message that I have for you today, I thought to myself, this is probably going to be one of those moments in your life. (laughs) And the thing about the love of God is this. You know, if you've never had a father or a good father, you don't understand the love of correction. 
you know, it, it, it's like if you're orphaned, this, this message today might be like, man, I didn't, I didn't understand how that could possibly be love. But God sometimes will draw us in through worship. And you're like, man, he loves me so much. And he's like, okay, are you ready? I'm going to show you another level to my love that I haven't shown you yet. It's called correction. And you're like, it doesn't feel like love, God. <laughs> That's what today is, because I feel like if I would have came in here and I was telling my wife this and been, and been like, in 2018, the Lord is going to do these amazing things in your life, you know, and he's going to make everything that's wrong right magically. You know, you'd all be like, come on, dude, we're from Long Island. That might work in Indiana, but we ain't falling for that. Am I right? Do I know you? Okay, so the Lord was like, just straight up whoop them and beat them into 2018. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But okay, sometimes you read scripture and then sometimes scripture reads you. So can we allow the word to shine its light on our heart right now and just receive what God's got for us? Okay, say, take your time, preacher. You guys are gonna be full like Southern gospel by the time I'm done with you. Take your time. The, the most saved person in the room, the sanctified one, they always say, take your time, pastor. Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. You know, in other words, that the road to life is a disciplined life. The antithesis of that scripture means simply the road to death is the undisciplined life. Man, I don't get any amens for that one. You know, let me just tell you, I had the talent. I could play multiple instruments. I had charisma. I could come up and deliver a sermon. But three and a half, four years ago, you know what I didn't have? I didn't have discipline. And as we begin to go through these scriptures today, I want to show you that I had to go on a journey and, and learn that. And guess what? Busyness is not the same as discipline. Some of you are busy, but you're not disciplined. Well... Proverbs chapter 12, all the new people are like, yep, this is weird. <laughs> oh, we just love each other. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Some of you just fell in love with the Bible. You're like, it really does call people stupid. I knew this was my God. <laughs> whoever hates correction is what? Stupid. Now, let me just explain something to you. You may be intellectual, but because you hate correction, by a biblical standard, you're actually stupid. And guess what? Now, I'm going to save you. This, this is a very unpopular message, but I feel like God's going to use it. You will watch people in life pass you up who are literally intellectually inferior to you, but by a biblical standard, they're wise because they're disciplined and you won't figure it out for years. You'll be like, I don't understand. I can preach so much better than Pastor Mike. Why am I not the pastor? You don't have discipline. I don't understand. Why am I not succeeding in business like someone else? Because I'm a mastermind. You're undisciplined. So the biblical standard for loving knowledge isn't how many TED Talks you listen to or how many books. It's how you receive correction. That determines if you really love knowledge. You know what a lot of people like? Can I just go there? I feel like I'm going to go like full Chef Ramsay today. <laughs> Chef, if Chef Ramsay was a pastor, that's going to be the title of this podcast. Anyone listen to the podcast, by the way? Okay. A lot of people want you to think they love knowledge. They really love themselves. 
they're really arrogant they don't love knowledge because they don't love correction okay that was free that's not in my notes Hebrews chapter 10 keep writing these down keep writing these down Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 and it says this but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however everyone say later on later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it do you need more peace in your life anyone you need more discipline <laughs> the more discipline you have the bible says it will produce peace in your life i didn't know this i thought the equation was the more pbr the more dos equis, the more more peace but the lord was like the more discipline the more okay somebody's tracking with me can we keep going second timothy 1 7 and the saints know this for the spirit god gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline that's the niv translation translation but you guys know the one that doesn't have the word self-discipline in it because that doesn't preach as well you know the one for god has not given us a spirit of fear but a love power and what wow wait a second self-discipline though and a sound mind yes are you racked with fear are you racked with anxiety and apprehension and dread and worry wait a second with the more alcohol i drink it turns off your frontal lobe which is where you make decisions okay that's why you do crazy things drunk okay you can do it right that guy that you know either you were the guy doing it or the guy yelling you can do it right that's the equation of imbibing alcohol but the word says that as you receive the spirit of god and ingest it you actually what what's the effect what's the what's the side effect of receiving more of god's spirit self-discipline so when people are like i'm holy i i've received so much of god their self-discipline will reveal the reality of that Okay, now here's what I'm gonna do. The title of this message, for all of you waiting to put it in your notes, is New Year, New Vision. New Year, New Vision. And here's the wisdom key that I want you to write down. Only a new discipline will birth a new vision. Only a new discipline will birth a new vision. Your life, your health, your marriage, your business is all a reflection of your current level of discipline. So only a new discipline will birth a new vision. And I'm not talking about getting busier. You know that, that, that when you have a block of marble, it's actually the power of extraction that reveals the masterpiece. Sometimes it's the discipline of saying no that reveals the masterpiece of you. Some of you say yes to too many things and too many people, and it's the power of extraction that will be the discipline that births a new vision. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody gave you permission to say it this time. Here's what I want to do, though. I learned 10 things in 2017. This is autobiographical, and I'm going to give you my top 10 list of things that I quit. Anyone here like quitting things better than starting them? Doesn't it feel so good to quit a diet? You're like cheating on the better you, and it feels so good. Rawr, it's nasty. I want to eat that whole hamburger. You know, quitting things feels better than starting a lot of times, you know? 
So we're going to give you, I'm going to give you 10 things that I quit in 2017 that I, that's actually going to birth a new vision for my life in 2018 and for the life of this church. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a journey through January and I want to know who's with me. 21 days of discipline. Who's with me? Okay. I like that there's like a, a deadline on it because we, you know what I mean? Like just that feeling of just in case this discipline thing don't work out. So we're going to do 21 days of discipline. Now, for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to try to get through all 10, okay? Number one, I quit this. I quit talking about ministries more than doing ministry. I quit talking about, let's plug in your life. I quit talking about business more than actually building business. Can I get an amen? You know, some of you talk about your wife so much that if you talk to her, your marriage would get better. Uh. Julie, start the car. <laughs> start the Subaru. We got more horsepower. <laughs> By the way, that was amazing, man. You all know we didn't expect that because Julie's whole time message was just like, we don't give to get and we don't manipulate God. And everyone's like, well, you are going to get a car, though. <laughs> oh, this is a great church, man. Um, you know, I want to say on a side note that statistically the most generous people in the local church, the people who give the most money, are statistically single moms. It's not the entrepreneurs who are rolling and all that. It, you would think, but generosity has to be learned because it's not natural to your heart. And you know how I know that? I have kids and they, they innately knew how to steal from each other. I never taught them how to be a thief, you know? And when you have a kid, you stop believing people are born good because you're like, that is not good. You know, all that secular humanistic crap. And you're like, that was evil. I never taught that. My house is not that kind of home. Rebu rebuke thee, Satan. All right, so anyways, so we have to teach generosity, but I, I think we're moving into another phase now. Y'all learn that. Okay, um, this is a subnote to number one. Opinion is cheaper than action. So in the economy of life, opinion costs less than action. Okay, B, opinion feels like accomplishment. Opinion feels, it's like a cheap high. It's like, wait a second, I can start my own church or I can just critique the one I went to. That's easier. I'll do that. That feels like I accomplished something. C, consumers complain, producers create. I want to be a creative. I don't want to be a book critic. I want to be an author. I don't want to be a food critic. I want to be Chef Ramsey cussing people out. I, I mean, you hear what I'm saying? I don't want to be a song critic. I want to be a songwriter. It's easier to have an opinion than it is to take action. You know what I'm saying? On the drive home, your conversation shouldn't be what was wrong with that place. Your conversation should be, I'm going to be an owner and my destiny is to make it better. One of my mentors told me the problems you see, you were created to fix. Two, I quit being sarcastic and started being supernatural. Nobody in New York likes that point. Now, I'm not saying sarcasm is bad. I love sarcasm. I'm sarcastic, but sarcasm is like a medication. In a proper dose, it'll produce a little laughter. But too much doses, and I'm telling you, it's highly potent. It will cause division. Sarcasm's end goal is humor. 
but the end goal of all your conversations shouldn't be humor at their expense. It should be ministry at your expense. You are missing divine appointments and God opportunities because in your pride, you want to make yourself laugh at their expense. And God's saying you missed a moment because you used your vision and perverted the intellectual resources I gave you to make yourself look better than them in that moment of sarcasm. Okay, just receive it. Somebody's bleeding out around you right now. Just let them bleed all the way out because God's trying to kill it in them. Sarcasm destroys churches. You know, sometimes you've got to just stop and just say, God, maybe humor is not the end goal of this interaction. Maybe there's something deeper. And what I'm trying to do is balance some of you in the room, okay? But I love sarcasm. So I'm not saying eliminate it. I'm saying you need to peel back the dose. You need to cut that pill into fourths. Okay. Number three, I quit blaming others and I started to fight the enemy of me. I quit fighting other people in 2017 and I started fighting the enemy of me. The word even sounds like what it is. Enemy. Enemy. Do you hear it? You have been your worst enemy. You know the leader who has failed you the most in your life is not that pastor that wounded you from the other church or that business leader, that person who fired you. You know what leader has actually failed you the most in your life? You. You. And, you're, and here's what I think is funny. You have God who's never failed you. You who have failed you all the time. We don't trust him. I trust you completely. Are you kidding me? I quit fighting other people and blaming them and started to blame myself. Um, John the Baptist understood this. He said, I decrease God so that you can increase. You know, Paul understood this. Paul said that I'm at war with myself and, and there's something I want to do, but I've got to die to myself to accomplish and achieve all of what God's got for me. They understood the enemy of me. Okay, can I keep going? Number four, I quit venting long enough to hear the voice of God. Doesn't venting feel so good? But Aaron, you don't understand. My wife doesn't get it. I have needs. Really intense ones. <laughs> you know, you just vent because venting makes you feel good. But here's the wisdom key for number four. God often keeps his voice quieter than our complaints so that we have to silence ourselves to hear him. I stopped. I quit venting long enough. Doesn't mean you don't need to vent. It just means where, when, and how long. Okay? It's impossible to read scripture and to vent at the same time. I tried it. I dare you next time you want to vent and you're like, I need a friend so bad to vent, begin to open up the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, and begin to read. And it is impossible to vent and read scripture out loud. And you are hearing the voice of God as you read scripture. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, number five, I quit the approval of people for the approval of God. Somebody got a revelation. I quit the approval of people for the approval of God. Now, a lack of love in your life will cause you to want the approval of people. And the solution isn't get more people to approve of you and fill that love tank. It's to, because that's a finite source. But when you go to an infinite source, it's a well that never goes dry. 
And then you can stand in front of your peers and say, I'm not preaching for your approval. I'm preaching from approval, from the one, the only one's approval that matters. And, and so therefore, I can't really do a bad job because I'm not a failure. I'm a learner. See, you might have said I failed, but he says I'm learning because I'm not dead. I'm not done. You see, I'm not working from a place for approval, but from approval. You're approved. Somebody's getting a revelation. But do you know that some of it is a lack of humility? Some, some of this seeking for approval is you needing to be seen. And God will sometimes hide you in obscurity long enough for you to learn to stop stealing his glory. Number six, and I'm not going to stay on this one long. I quit the myth of perfection for the beauty of being present. I, I stopped saying, I'm not going to go back to church till I get my act together. And I said, hey, Jules, let's pack all that baggage and bring it to church this Sunday. Let's take our past that everyone's got questions about and want to timeline it and figure it all out. And let's just bring it all to church and put it on the stage and show people what God can do with broken pieces. You know what I'm saying? I gave up this myth that I could be perfect. And then we launched a church where every Sunday we say what? No perfect people are allowed. Number uh, seven, I quit comparing myself to other people. I quit comparing myself to other people. You know, comparison robs you of the true you. Comparison is often rooted in pride, but masks itself as insecurity. You're saying, you're saying out loud, I wish that I could be like them, but you're saying in your heart, if I tried harder, I could be better than them. And a lot of comparison is actually pride and you need to get off it. It's actually arrogance. Oh, if I tried harder, I could be like him. I could be like her if I pushed a little harder. No, you're just full of pride. And God didn't even build you to be like me. It's not a comparison thing. And God wants to break you free from that. A bulldozer and a Ferrari are built different for different things. Maybe God built you for a task that's different than the person you keep comparing yourself to. Be a sexy bulldozer. There's the, somebody's favorite quote. That's how it's going to be. I'm going to drop all these wisdom bombs and somebody's going to quote that one. That's how it is every Sunday. I'm like, what did they latch on to, God? The bulldozer quote. Number eight. I'm all right, right? We got some more time, right? I quit ignoring God's attempt to mentor me through people. I quit ignoring God's attempt to mentor me through people. You know what changed my life more powerfully than any other religious experience that I had? It was the mentoring of Dave Gargano in Northwest Indiana. I submitted my life to his mentoring. And let me just teach you about, can I teach you about mentoring? Here's how it works. All of your choices got you to where you're at right now. So I want you to think about what you like about your life and what you don't. All the stuff you don't like about your life is the result of your mind and your choices. So a mentor is somebody that you actually hit the override button and do what they tell you to do even when you don't understand it. And we latch on so hard to our own opinion even though our opinion produced brokenness. And I'll never forget one of the most liberating things I ever did in my life was Dave Gargano, pastor of Road to Life Church, was telling me something. And in my inner being, I was saying, this is, this is bull. This is not right. But then I'm like, 
he's this guy, but he's winning in the areas I'm losing in life. So what if I just hit the override button and just did it the way he said it, just tried it, and I'll never forget that feeling. And you know what it's a feeling of? Humility. <laughs> I'll never forget that feeling where I was like, I'm going to do something different than I thought I should do it to receive this mentorship. And my life began to change radically. Number nine, I quit thinking the way I did it before was somehow the only way. Can I just tell you that what got you here won't get you there? Even though that wisdom and knowledge and revelation got you to the point you're at right now, you will need a fresh revelation, a fresh wisdom. You'll need to be baptized anew in the Spirit of God to get you to where you're going. What got you here won't get you there. And sometimes we say, well, that's not the way we did it in my other church. And that's not the way that I think it should be done in this and that. And God's saying, I am behold doing a new thing and it will spring forth now. Are you getting with what God's doing now? It's supposed to be a movement, not a monument. Thank God we don't have a building yet because it's forced us to ask ourselves, what's it really about? This is a movement. It's not a monument. And what you're doing with God is partnering with him in this earth to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. The last one is this. I'm excited about this one, okay. I quit minuscule and I accepted God's mega. Minuscule means seemingly insignificant. Minuscule means so little that it, it's off the radar. It's, it's barely visible. And I, I took my minuscule, all of my little worries and all my little anxieties and all my little apprehensions and all my little concerns with life. And I put all, and you know, sometimes it's just a tempest in a teacup. It's the most raging storm ever in a teacup. And we can't see it for what it is because we're in the teacup. And God's saying, would you let me give you my mega for your minuscule? Would you take that pile of debris that you feel like is a, a huge waste dump and let me show you that it's just a pile of ashes? And all of a sudden, God began to make that exchange. And you know, when, when that begins to happen, I want to challenge you guys tonight. When you're celebrating the new year and you're saying new year, new vision, you're saying new discipline too. I want to challenge you that when you say new year, new me, it's because the new discipline produces a new you. I want to challenge you to go outside in the bitterness of this winter cold and to look out in the stars and the grandeur and the depth and the breadth of all that God's created. And I want you to try to use your little eyes to see all of what God's created. And I want you to say, God exchanged my minuscule for your mega. Because there was a time where I thought there was nothing good that was ever going to come out of my life. But now I'm saying, no, not only can God, you use me to do all these crazy things, but you want to do exceedingly more than I can ever think or imagine. And V1 Church, can somebody give me an amen? It's going to be all five boroughs and Nassau and Suffolk County. It's going to be local, regional, national, international. We see a limitless harvest with our eyes. That means that the person that you'd bump into in the grocery store who caught, cut you off on the road is ready and ripe for Jesus. Can somebody here get a vision that we're going to have to baptize people in the hundreds this year? Hey, I'm, I'm saying, can you just get a vision with me? That we, I'm going to say this on the microphone so we have it in the camera so that we can play it back. But I believe with every fiber of my being 
that V1 Church in 2018 is going to double our territory. Do you believe it? Double our territory. But, but you know why he's going to double it? Discipline. Discipline doubles. Discipline doubles. When you can take care of what God gave you, if you're single right now, I dare you to start stewarding your own heart and see if God doesn't give you the heart of somebody else to steward. That's all marriage is. Okay, you can take care of your heart, Mike. Here's Julie's heart too. It, it, discipline doubles. If you want to double in your life, guess how you do it? Discipline. And I believe God has seen us faithful. He's going to double our territory, double our influence this year. And he's going to take your shame and he's going to take your past and he's going to give you double for your trouble too. Would you all just stand to your feet with me? You know, I read this in an article that was kind of going viral this week. It said, on your last day on earth, the person that you became will meet the person that you have become. And there's this dichotomy between what should have been and what was. And oftentimes we find ourselves lacking in that distance. Like, I should have been, could have been, would have been. Like, I was really good at hockey. I should have been Chris Chelios. I, I was really good at ball. You know, I should have been Jordan. And it's like, but I didn't. And there's this, this distance. And I was meditating on this. I said, God, somehow you've got me to a place where I feel like I actually turned the tables. Because my dad was a murderer. My family and where I came from doesn't make any sense. And I said, actually, the distance between what I am now and what I should have been is a miracle. And I, I don't think what God wants you to do is leave this place and, and do that comparison game against a you that doesn't exist and could have existed. I, I think he actually wants to say it's actually crazier and better than you could ever imagine. And what I want to do with your life is mega. And you, what you think is big is actually minuscule. And, and, and I just, I feel it. You know, it's no, and I said this before, but it's no mystery that all these seats are full because I commissioned our dream team every single morning for months to pray over every single seat that God would fill it with a soul. And we're not about numbers, we're about souls. And I didn't choose to make you, God made you, but I do choose to protect you from sin, death, hell, and the grave, and to literally stand in the gap, smelling like smoke, pulling you out of death. And if every church on Long Island in New York City filled up today, we would need more churches and more buildings. V1 Church will never be big enough as long as there's one more person still missing out on Jesus. And we're hungry for more. Are you guys hungry? Did God stir a hunger in your heart? Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.